At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Nathan Holitz, the CEO of Photographer's Edit and founder of Three Podcasts. Nathan is incredibly talented and he knows a lot about business. These are things that we cover in this episode, so make sure to stay tuned to learn how you can boost your business and also enjoy the process of being a photographer. Enjoy. We have an amazing community at photographycourse.net where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join and use the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD without any spaces to claim your discount. Hi, Nathan. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hey, everybody. My name is Nathan Holritz, and I'm the founder and one of the owners of a company called Photographer's Edit. I was a professional photographer for about 10 years. And I guess, generally speaking, I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur. I like starting companies where I see opportunity. It's a great introduction, and that's a really interesting background. You have lots of interests. You have this entrepreneurial background, and then you also have this love for photography, and you manage to merge them together to create different businesses and podcasts. So I'm sure that we'll have a lot of interesting things to talk about and to share with the listeners. 
So let's start with uh, your main company, which is called Photographers Edit. It offers custom photo editing services for wedding and portrait photographers. What was the inspiration behind this business and what were the first stages like for you? Well, I was a professional photographer. So from about 2001 to 2012, I photographed many, many weddings, hundreds of weddings, engagement sessions, a bit of family work. And there was a need ultimately making that transition from film to digital because we started in film, making that transition to digital, shooting as many as 30 to 40 weddings a year. I needed help with the post-production. It stressed me out. So there was a personal need. But then also as a business owner, I was looking for an opportunity to start something that would give me even more freedom and flexibility than my photography business did. I also saw an opportunity in the industry to launch an alternative editing company. There were a few businesses at the time, one in particular that was offering editing services, but it was complicated. It was extremely expensive. So I saw an opportunity to launch something that was much simpler, certainly more affordable to a wider range of photographers. And so in 2008, beginning of 2008, launched Photographers Edit. And uh, it took about three, four years or so to really get that thing off the ground, get it humming, if you will. And, but certainly well worked the hard work and thanks to a wonderful team. Uh, we've now been in business for, what does that make it? 14 years or so coming up on 15 years. And I'm super thankful for the opportunity to be able to, to help give photographers their lives back. So they don't have to sit in front of their computer nonstop. That's very impressive. And yeah, I totally understand the need for that kind of service because there are so many photographers out there, so many wedding photographers, and they produce thousands of images in one day. So there's definitely a huge need for businesses like yours that edit photographs beautifully and also save them a lot of time. When you first got into this business, you were probably alone or did you already have a team of people that you wanted to work with? I was kind of alone and my thought was I'll start locally where I live in Tennessee in the US and I would work with local editors and then ultimately scale that up and find a company that could grow with the brand. And I was lucky enough ultimately to connect with a group of people that were able to handle that editing work for me. So I was able to contract out almost from the beginning, which enabled me to scale up effectively. And I was super lucky for that. Yeah, well, that's amazing. And you started your business in 2008, as you said. How has the business of photography changed in the last 14 years? Well, I actually go back even further to 2001. So I photographed my first wedding in 2001. I mentioned earlier that I started in film, 35 millimeter film. I did shoot a bit of medium format film as well. So the transition from film to digital was a pretty significant one. And when I think about that transition, of course, what that enabled at the time was a lower barrier to entry getting into photography. Now I can see the image on the back of my camera. I can make immediate adjustments. It doesn't cost me a bunch of money to practice, right? So the barrier to entry into the professional photography world was lowered. And then as technology has continued to develop, you look at how many tools we have easy access to that cost little to no money that enable us to run a business, relatively speaking, very easily. And so I think really it's the tech, the, the change in tech that has made the biggest difference in the experience of being a professional photographer. Yeah, you're making a very good point about that. And because it's much easier, let's say, to start a business now because of all these tools that we have, there are many businesses out there, especially in photography. And I think that makes it intimidating for people to start their own business because they don't know if they'll be able to compete properly with their with other photographers. 
Do you have any advice for people who are starting their businesses? Is there something that they should avoid or something they should definitely do when they start their own business? That's a great question. And you're right. There are a lot of photographers because that barrier to entry is lower. One of the biggest questions that I would ask any photographer, even those who've been established and in business for some time, do you have a clear and distinct brand position? And actually, even before that question, I would take a step back even further and say, do you have a big picture view? Naturally, people would be like, well, what is a big picture view? And I think about a big picture view as an overarching set of goals that are driven largely by two elements, one financial goals and two time goals. So how much money do I need to make and want to make, right? That combination. And then in order to make that money, how much time say in a week or in a month, am I willing to put toward that business? Once I establish that overarching set of goals, that will help me begin to decide what business model I want to develop, what genre of photography I want to go into, what my target market is. And it's cool because that enables me to more easily decide the direction that I go with my photography business. Within those parameters, then I come back to that conversation about brand position. What do I offer to my marketplace, whether it's, you know, local town or city or a region, whatever it may be, what do I offer to that marketplace that is actually different than the other photographers in that same genre? Do I offer a unique value proposition or do I have a distinct brand position that allows me to stand out above that noise? I think it's a really important question to answer. That's very good advice. And when you started your business in 2008, you said that you looked at the people who were offering these editing services at the time, and you saw that there was a gap, there was something missing, and you filled that gap with your business. So you really thought it through. And that's something that people can definitely learn from when they start their businesses. It's not about copying other people. It's more so seeing what's missing in the industry. A hundred percent. You sum that up beautifully. And, you know, unfortunately, photographers have a tendency to copy, right? It's very easy to jump on social media, to look at websites and say, oh, I like this, I like that, and and kind of follow suit. One, as you pointed out, because a lot of times photographers don't really know where to start. So it's easy to just kind of follow somebody else that they enjoy or respect. And, and that's totally understandable. I've done plenty of that. But the problem with that as well is that if we're just kind of copy pasting behavior, brand, and so forth, now we just get lost in that that noise of photographers, that mix of photographers, because again, there are so many. So how do we stand out? And there are a number of ways to stand out, but I think a really great place to start is with a distinct brand position. And the cool thing about a distinct brand position is it then kind of guides us in what we do day to day. No longer do we need to go follow somebody else because we have a clear idea of the direction that we're going to go, and that can help determine our marketing efforts, um, certainly how we're spending our money and, and ultimately how we're spending our time day in and day out. That's right. And you said it took you around three or four years before your first business started humming, as you said, and I think that's a nice way to describe it. But what kind of attitude should people have when they start a business? Because for me personally, I've had some experience with that. And my first reaction is excitement, obviously, but then some time passes and nobody reacts to my idea. <laughs> right. motivation. So what kind of attitude should people have when starting a business? Well, first I would say, again, to take a step back and look at that marketplace, whatever market you're going into. In my case, initially, of course, it was a photography business, wedding photography, portrait photography. 
and then the editing company later on in 2008, look at the market and make sure that there is legitimate opportunity there. Do as much research as possible, come up with the data, if at all possible, to back up that decision to move in that into that particular space. Because at least at that point, you know that you're fighting for something where there is legitimate opportunity versus just kind of this, you know, random pie in the sky idea. So I would start there. Now you can go, you can move with confidence into what is going to likely be a lengthy and challenging process. And under that, guys, what I would just encourage your listeners to do is to one, be patient, as, as excited as we are about a new idea, it's not necessarily going to just explode, take off out of the gate, right? So be patient, understanding it can take time to really get something off the ground and moving. And along with that, and it may sound a bit cliche, but I would just say be willing to take on the challenge, i.e. be willing to do the hard work um, and to put that work in consistently. So important. It's not about going 100 miles an hour all the time. It's just being very clear about the direction that you're going and then showing up day in and day out to do the work necessary. And um, again, as long as you've done the market research, there's a clear opportunity. You're willing to take the time and ultimately put in the hard work. There's a really incredible opportunity there to, to create something great. Definitely. Yeah. If you have that strong foundation and you can dive into a business idea with confidence, then things will definitely be easier than if you just blindly dive into something and are not sure or insecure, then it's going to be much more difficult to to balance everything. For sure. You host a number of photography podcasts as well. As a fellow podcast host, I'm sure that you understand the beauty of learning from all kinds of different people. And this is something we discussed a little bit before we started recording. What is the most interesting thing that you've learned from one of your guests? You know, it's not so much a standout idea that I've learned from the guest is, as you said, we talked about this a little beforehand, really the significance of good communication. So first of all, as a podcast host, it's my job to guide a conversation in many, if not most cases with individuals who are not necessarily natural teachers, they don't have experiences as a podcast guest. So I need to guide a conversation. And that's been a really interesting challenge, especially as we've gone to a live streaming mode where this is, there's no opportunity to edit. It is what it is, right? And that's been a really fun challenge for me and it continues to be so. But the flip side of that and, and where I want to add value for your guests is to encourage them, generally speaking, especially if they're going to be a, a podcast guest, but generally speaking, to learn how to communicate more effectively. Part of that lies in preparation. And, you know, funny enough, it even begins just with the simple notion, especially again, if you're going to be on a podcast, be a guest. Um, that you have actually taken the time to prepare. So you get an email, you get instructions, and you're actually taking the time to read that. I'll send an email many times to guests, and when they get on the call, and we're having our kind of pre-episode conversation, I'm realizing pretty quickly that they didn't actually take the time to read the instructions. They did take the time to prepare ideas. And so as a result, the quality of that episode of that conversation is ultimately going to suffer. So it may seem basic, but read thoroughly and, and then take the time to prepare. The cool thing about preparation, and this goes way beyond podcast conversations, just conversation in general. The thing about preparation is that if you've taken the time to prepare, you've learned how to package your ideas into a way that is easily communicable and steps that are easy to consume and understand and go apply, then you should be able to communicate with less words. When somebody begins rambling, you know that they likely, there could be a number of reasons for it, certainly, but one of those reasons is likely that they didn't prepare thoroughly in advance. 
And I think this is important in any conversation that we go into, especially if we're thinking about how to promote our business as a photography business owner. Have I taken the time in advance to literally I, something I'll do? And I, in fact, I even was doing it this morning before we jumped on our call in preparations for this conversation. Despite my experience as a podcast host and a guest, I still take the time to prepare and actually rehearse conversations out loud so that when I go to that conversation, I'm able to communicate the ideas more effectively. So preparation is, is huge. And then as we're communicating these ideas, if, if we go into that conversation with the ultimate goal of adding as much value as possible, then ultimately the conversation certainly will be more beneficial to the end listener. It's very easy and I'm guilty of this. It's very easy going into a conversation and get caught up in what it is that we want to say about ourselves and our experience. And, you know, I've been many times just as human beings, we want that outlet for conversation. It's very easy to kind of be selfish in that way. Make sure that going into any conversation, we're adding as much value as possible. That's great advice. And it's very impressive that you rehearse beforehand. It really shows your dedication to what you do. And it shows that you respect the people that you're speaking with. You also have a podcast called A Love Portrait, which you host with your children. You have a lot of interesting things going on that aren't always directly related to photography. How do you manage all of these projects without getting overwhelmed? That's a great question. And I would say very simply that it's about team. I'm lucky to be working with just an incredible group of people that allow me to juggle all that I do. So I would say that that's the most important thing. It's certainly be intentional in surrounding yourself with good people whether that's in-house or if you're hiring you know, third-party companies like Photographer's Edit is just one example to help you manage your workload enables you to be able to, one, focus on the things that matter most to your goals, but then two, to be able to get a lot more done. The other thing that I would add to that though is just, and, and again, it sounds a bit cliche, but I've realized the significance of this more and more in my life, even in the last, say, six months to a year, and that is the importance of just doing a little at a time. I have this podcast called A Love Portrait, which is a podcast about developing happy relationships. And it's it's one that has, I've just done a few episodes thus far. And at this point, I'm okay with that because I know that I'm juggling a lot and I have other priorities that are greater even than that particular one. But I see the long-term opportunity there for a number of reasons. And so the idea that occasionally I do an additional episode. I have an interesting conversation. The last one was with my kids. I've not edited it yet, but the next episode is going to be a conversation that I had with my grandfather, who is 101 and was married to my grandmother for well over 60 years. And so having a conversation with him about what made their relationship a good one. Again, another interview that, that's going to be really interesting, but I'm not stressed. I'm not worried about putting that out right away because I can do that a little bit at a time and still give my attention elsewhere where needed as well. So I think those two things, a wonderful team, surround yourself with a wonderful team, and then be okay with the idea, at least in some instances, that you're just taking it a small step at a time. And the cool thing about that approach to, to life and business is that many small steps walked consistently actually gets you really far. Wow, 101, that's very impressive. And I can imagine that you had such a great conversation with him and I'll definitely listen to that episode, but it's nice that you have this perspective, that you have this attitude as well, because when I'm excited about something, I want to embrace it fully 
and I overwhelm myself in most cases because I already have a bunch of other responsibilities. But <laughs> right. I like that your mindset allows room for some relaxation, calmness. You give yourself the space that you need to focus on different projects. And I also like that you don't focus solely on photography or uh, photography editing even, that you have this other podcast that focuses on happy relationships. Because, yeah, I mean, even if you specialize in something, even if your main business is related to a certain industry, doesn't mean that you always need to stick to that. It's nice to also take a break and focus on other things that matter to you. Absolutely. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Horton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day. If you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, make sure to keep listening. We have a special code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD. What should photographers avoid when offering their photography services to clients? There's so many different directions that we might be able to go. That, that's a really great question. I would say, first of all, make sure that you're speaking to clients or potential clients in their language. It's very easy as photographers to think like photographers and then project those tendencies onto our clients or potential clients. And many cases, one, the language that we might use thinking and speaking like a photographer is not relevant to or may not even make sense to a client or potential client. And in, in fact, we can take it a step further and say that even something like editing style, for example, that we put so much emphasis on as photographers or photographic style is not nearly as important to 90, 95% of clients as we like to think it is. So make sure that you understand your clients. Don't rush to try to be creative and cute and technical, but instead learn to speak their language, learn to understand what is important to your particular target clientele and be able to relate with them more effectively. I think that's really important. Yeah, it's definitely very important. Yeah, as photographers, when we get really excited about something, we might want to project all of that onto a client, but usually they don't even understand our language. If we started talking about ISO and our techniques, they don't really care about that, do they? <laughs> they just want good photographs and a nice experience as clients. So yeah, being able to speak their language is important. And also what you mentioned earlier about being able to communicate with people, that comes in handy in situations like that, being able to understand what exactly somebody needs. 
You know, Ty, I've, I've never heard anybody say it exactly like you just did, but you, you've essentially mirrored words that I've said multiple times at this point to, to others as well, which is photographers just want good pictures and a, and a good experience. It's not about, you know, again, we put so much emphasis on the quality, certainly, but the style of photography and the technical elements associated with that. And it's good that we push ourselves as photographers. I think that's always a good mindset to have, it, just as human beings for that matter, to always strive to be better. But we need to make sure that we create a distinction between what matters to us and what actually matters to the client and the experience that we're creating for them. Because if we don't, we can get caught up in spending time, effort, energy, and stressing out about things that just don't matter to the bigger picture of not only developing our business, but certainly building a great client base. I also think about the words that we use when I say don't try to be creative or cute. I say that a little bit tongue in cheek because there's certainly room for it. But I, I actually wrote, I created a, a paragraph that kind of sums up, puts together these different words and phrases that we'll see on photographers' websites some time ago in preparation for a presentation. And it's this, it's hopelessly inspired by love. I capture the magical memories of life's most authentic in-between moments through the timeless beauty of natural light. And again, tongue in cheek, but that's a combination of words and phrases and ideas that I've seen in photographers' websites over time. One, it sounds super cliche and it doesn't help you stand out. But two, we're using words and phrases there that may mean something to us or you know, because we saw it in a, in a movie or we saw it on a card, we think it's cute, we need to put it out there and it's gonna make people feel really good. The reality is we didn't really say much with those words. So take a step back, begin to put yourself in the shoes of your client or potential client and speak the language that they're going to use on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, it, starting with the value proposition that you're offering. We talked about that brand position or brand position statement earlier. Communicate that position statement, the value proposition to that potential client in a way that they would understand it using words that they would speak on a day-to-day -day basis. That's a really great place to start. We have to be careful not to speak to our clients like they're photographers. Right. And that language is nice, but it was funny the way that you worded that. And definitely I'm guilty of using some of those words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we want to make a good impression. We want to sound very magical and fairy tale like I guess. Oh, and I understand the intention, but definitely it does help to be straightforward and to treat it more like an advertisement. And I think with advertisement, people think that it's lifeless when in reality, you're just telling people what it is. It is what it is. This is what I'm offering. And it can uh, get the message across much more effectively than if you use beautiful words like that. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And we have to remember too, that I mean, as much as we kind of joke about it, we are in a world where attention spans, relatively speaking anyway, are pretty short. So if somebody lands on your website and they have to comb through paragraphs of text that sound like that, they're bored and they're gone, right? So if you can, what I would recommend to photographers, and we talk a lot about brand position development on the Boca podcast, one of my podcasts that I host, but it's important to be able to say within eight to maybe 10 words at the most, to be able to communicate, one, the service that you offer, two, how that service is different, that experience is going to be different than other photographers offering a similar service. If you want to add in there the marketplace that you're serving, even better. But we need to be able to do that in the span of, say, two to three seconds. When somebody lands on your site, they immediately see that brand position statement that communicates very, very simply 
what it is that you offer that's different than any other photographers in the area. And that's a good starting place. It enables you to filter for clients that are relevant or not. But now you've not forced them to have to comb through paragraphs of text using cute language like I just read or, you know, talking endlessly about how great your photography career was and how your grandpa gave you this camera 50 years ago. And a lot of that stuff can be nice for maybe conversation later on as you've already begun to develop a relationship with your client. But assume that people are bored and have a short attention span to begin with. And that will help guide you in the way that you communicate with that potential client. That's right. In this case, less is more. And as you said earlier, it's important to be able to communicate your thoughts effectively. And that is more impactful. And I know that a lot of people can relate to this. If they hear one sentence that's very motivational, they want to share it as a quote on Instagram or something. (laughs) Right. right? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. What are some common mistakes that you think beginners make in photography? I would go back to number one, that lack of big picture view. I get that phrase from a book called time management from the inside out, Julie Morgenstern. And the quote, if I remember it correctly, is the most successful people in life have a big picture view that enables them to rise above the chaos and maintain perspective. And when you think about the way that, and by the way, I've certainly been guilty of this as well, a lot of, if not most photographers function, it's a bit haphazard in nature. We're kind of reacting to what's happening in front of us, whether it's an email or a text message or you know, a workshop or a Lightroom preset to buy or a piece of gear that I need to go get because I just got fed an ad. We're just kind of reacting to whatever's going on in front of us. Simultaneously, we're hoping to to get enough jobs to make ends meet. And it's it's just kind of a stressful existence. So starting with a big picture view, which as I mentioned earlier, I think should at least at the root level begin with how much it is that we need to make and how much we want to make. And then how much time we want to spend doing that because part of the benefit of being a business owner is having that freedom and that flexibility. If photographers don't start at that place, then their day-to-day existence will be a bit of a bit haphazard in nature. The second thing I think is the lack of distinct brand position as we already talked about. And then the third thing would be too much emphasis on photographic or editing style. I think for the sake of photographers, it's great to continue to refine that or improve that. But we put so much emphasis on an idea and think that that's what's going to book a client. And certainly there are instances where that will happen. I've even experienced that myself as a photographer. But I think there's too much emphasis there. We have to remember the average end client does not look at photography with the technical and creative perspective that we have. As you pointed out, Taya, earlier, what they want is, is decent pictures and a good experience. And if we can deliver on that consistently, there's incredible opportunity there. Absolutely. And it's a waste of time if you worry too much about these things that only you would notice at the end of the day. Actually, when I was a beginner in photography, because I never pursued it professionally, I didn't care so much about my style. I just wanted to enjoy the process of taking photographs. And then later on in life, because it became less challenging, I started focusing on color correction and developing a style. And that's when I started to feel stuck. And that's where I am stuck at the moment, I think, because I overthink the editing process for myself personally. I'm like, should I use this preset or that preset? Should I change the colors? Nobody cares. <laughs> I think it's more about the experience, right? Taking photographs, enjoying that process and not worrying too much about anything else. Yes. And from experience, I can say that not only as a professional photographer, but as an editing company owner. And the example that I give a lot of times is I, I'm standing in my living room right now. So over back my shoulder, 
I can turn around and look toward my kitchen and my refrigerator. And on that refrigerator, there are a bunch of snapshots printed with the little Instax printer. And I think the majority, if not all of those images were number one, photographed on an iPhone. Two, they're likely the exposure isn't dead on with every one of them, not color corrected, maybe a little bit blurry, not framed particularly well, but none of that matters. And again, you know, 20 plus years in the industry and being in the positions that I've been, it still doesn't matter. What matters is that I have pictures of some of the most important people in my life, potentially moments, important moments that I got to share with them. And I get to experience those memories and my connection with those people by viewing these photographs. And I'm not sitting there analyzing this stuff, despite my expertise and my experience. If that's the case for me, how much less do our potential clients, again, in 95 to even 98% of instances, think about those kind of technical details, Taya, that you said earlier, that we put so much time and emphasis and, and effort on. It's, it, we, we need to make sure that we keep things in perspective. That's right. Yeah, when I get too caught up in these things, I always think about it from the perspective of an illustrator because I like to draw, but I'm not a professional, so I don't really know much about technique. And so I often think if I asked, if I gave a commission to someone, I asked them to draw my family, for example, I would focus more on the overall picture uh, and the experience of looking at that drawing at the end, rather than focusing on details. I would never focus on details in the drawing. I wouldn't think like, oh, this is the technique they use. So I think for photography, that's the kind of what clients feel. That's what I imagine they feel. Mm -hmm. But as a photographer, I can't imagine that because I always go into detail and overthink things but if I look at it from the perspective of somebody who also has an artistic side like you know artists illustrators whoever um, so that helps me get more perspective as a photographer yeah that absolutely makes sense so you have a, an editing company and you I'm sure have a lot of experience with editing and we just talked about how it's important not to overthink editing but still I think it's good to have a foundation as a photographer to have uh, to produce images that stand out and attract clients so as somebody with a lot of experience editing images what advice would you give to someone who wants to edit photographs and make them stand out in the industry well i i don't want to be contrarian here but i honestly i, I wouldn't give them much guidance when it comes to editing style because here's the thing there are thousands and thousands of photographers and what are those thousands and thousands of photographers doing there are many of them if not most of them are using the same thousands of presets, right? Or Photoshop actions, similar approach even to photographic style. So the notion that we're going to stand out um, to, uh, it, in that context is a little bit difficult to, to even imagine, one. Two, again, I'm also thinking realistically about what my potential client is going to notice. And it's not so much about editing style. If I were to have to, to pick one thing that I think is particularly impactful to a potential client or to clients, it's certainly moments. Um, and that, that term is certainly cliche. It's been used quite a bit. But that idea of being able to capture, capture the split-second interactions between family members and or friends, capture emotion, the ability to be able to, to really time the capture of that individual image that represents a highly emotional moment and, and the emotions of those involved, those things are going to be particularly impactful. Editing style, 
look again, a lot of the photographers are using the same stuff, you know, whatever the trend is in the moment, dark and moody, light and airy, that's the preset or set of presets that you're going to see used. And I think it's difficult, especially because most clients don't have a technical or creative perspective that we do. It's difficult to stand out in the regard. So I would spend less time on editing style, more on the moment and emotion. The only caveat that I would add to that is I would in fact encourage most photographers to choose a classic style of edit for two reasons. One, I've been in the industry long enough to know that fads and trends come and go. I think about a particular editing style that I was using with my imagery for a bit. And one day I sat down in my, my office and picked up a sample album and started flipping through the pictures. And I, and I'm just thinking like, what in the world, Nate, like why in the world did you apply that look to these images? This, this is terrible. And this was not very long after this particular trend was popular. So we got to keep in mind that we're delivering images to end clients who are going to have those images, not for the three months that that trend is popular or the six months or even the year. They're ideally going to be looking at those images for years and years to come. So let's give them images that they can appreciate for years to come, even as trends and styles change that they can still appreciate that image. So I would encourage photographers to develop a more classic style that is going to stand the test of time, number one. But the cool thing about that approach as well is that it also simplifies the post-production process. I'm not having to spend endless hours communicating to an editor, or potential set of editors, how to go about processing my images because I'm not prioritizing that uh, beyond what is necessary. I have a classic style, it's clean, relatively easy edit. And so delegating that editing work to somebody else becomes easier as well. That's wonderful. And it's very valuable advice. And you made a very good point about the not so big importance of editing styles and the timeless look that many photographers should embrace more. And yeah, it's very easy to get lost in fads and trends and they might seem appealing in the moment. But then as you said, later on, if you look back, you might be horrified by the decisions that you made. And with clients, yes, we definitely have a very big responsibility, especially as wedding or family photographers. These are images they'll be looking at their whole lives. And so you want them to always have a beautiful, timeless, classic look. And thank you so much for sharing that. I don't think anyone has shared that on the podcast yet. So this is very valuable feedback. I have one more question for you. And that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? It could be hard to narrow down, but I think at the end of the day, I want to make sure I'm adding value. There's a, a kind of a, a phrase that I've been fixating on for a bit of time now, and that is say less, smile more, add value, move forward. And if I were to kind of try to simplify my existence on a day-to-day -day basis, that would be it. And that idea of adding value, certainly as photographers, I think we have an incredible opportunity to be able to do that for our clients. But even just thinking about the way that we interact with others, how we make them feel, um, are we able to pass on a little tidbit of advice here and there? What are we doing to add value? And at the end of the day, I, I want to make sure that I'm adding value to the photography industry. So I think that would be my, my thing. I really like that. And I appreciate that so much. I mean, it's nice to have your own goals and to be a bit selfish from time to time. But I think ultimately, the best feeling is when you help others and you contribute something special to the community that you're a part of. And when people respond to that as well, when you can genuinely feel that you're helping others. And I'm sure that you're doing that very efficiently every single day with all of the projects that you're balancing and juggling. 
So thank you so much for taking some time to join me on this podcast. I definitely learned a lot from you about business and photography, and I wish you the very best with your journey moving forward. Thanks, Ty. I really appreciate that. You've been very gracious, very kind, and it's been a privilege to be on the other side of the interview process. Yes, it was really nice to have a, a podcast host on this uh, podcast. Thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for joining. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed listening to this interview with Nathan Holritz. I really enjoyed speaking with him. I love that he rehearses before he starts an interview. It's really nice that he cares so much about providing valuable feedback to everybody that he speaks with. And I think he has a very holistic approach to photography and business. If you want to join this conversation and share your thoughts on this episode with Nathan Holritz and our team, make sure to join our online photography community. There's a link to it in the description. We would absolutely love to hear from you and to share our experiences with you. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.